I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and I am flying both solo and blind on this emergency episode of the podcast. Usually, I have I have a fair amount of notes I put together for these episodes to make sure we can give you guys the best content that we possibly can. Usually, at least have an outline, at the very least. But I don't have that today. I don't have a co-host to help carry me through this episode, and I don't have any notes. I'm looking just at... I guess the program that we record our episodes on. I don't have anything to look at here. And that's because we weren't, I wasn't planning on recording an episode today. In fact, we had actually already recorded an episode that we were gonna post on Wednesday night originally. We recorded it Tuesday afternoon, but that was before news of the schedule release came out. And of course, we had quite a bit of news drop on Wednesday, including the actual release of the 2021 schedule that I've been waiting on very impatiently. Uh, and my DMs have been blowing up today about all of it. So rather than wait a week or so to cover it after it gets stale, after you guys already move on and new topics come up, I decided to just go ahead, call the audible, jump on here, do an emergency podcast, break it all down for you guys today. So I'm going to give you everything I got today. Uh, I tried to get Curtis or Charlie to jump on here with me on short notice today, but we just couldn't work it out with the schedules. They both had things going on. We weren't normally scheduled to record today. So they had things going on. They have lives. I guess I'm the one that doesn't have a life. Go figure, right? So uh, no worries. I'm here. I've got no shortage of thoughts to share on all the news that dropped today on Wednesday. We got the 2021 schedule release, the new Demons of Backs coach, and the Heathen Hunts. How can we forget about this? I know it's not Georgia related, but it's, as, as we like to say, Georgia adjacent. And the Heathen Huns up north in Knoxville, they've got a new coach. We're going to touch on that as well. And so this means we're going to have to push that ever-elusive postseason award show. We had to push it back so many times already, but we're going to push it back one more time to next week. But I promise it's coming. It's coming. It's already recorded, ready to go. That will be up for you guys early next week. I'm actually anxious to have you guys listen to that because I'm. it's different than what we've done in the past. I'm not sure how to go over. Hopefully well, but we just want to have some fun with that. But we'll get to that next week. But we've got some breaking news to cover today, and we're going to do that. But before we do that, I do have a couple more shout outs for two more loyal listeners who just very graciously took the time to submit a couple of, of just really awesome reviews on Apple Podcasts. And I, we really appreciate it, guys. So a big shout out to our man, Cliff, who uh, he actually told us he just made the jump over to Apple and the iPhone. And one of the first things he did, it's awesome. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Like you, you make the jump over to iPhone, you're on the Apple side of things. And like one of the first things you think about is you want to do a review for the Glory UGA podcast. And, and that's just, that's awesome. Man. It's incredibly humbling and uh, we appreciate it so much. Cliff's been with us for a long time. He's actually been on the show a couple of times. And we'll definitely have him back on the future. Cliff, you know we love you, man. Really appreciate it, buddy. And our other shout-out today goes to HHHSBSMXI. Sometimes I wonder with, with some of the usernames like that, like, do those letters actually mean anything? Or are they just like random letters could just wanted to uh, do a review real quick and just want to do it anonymously and just typed in some letters. So I, I don't know, but H-H-H-S-B-S-M-X-I, whoever you are, we really do appreciate the support and the kind words, man. We really do. Um, so thank you for that. And again, thank you to anyone, anyone out there who has already done a, a review for us, who's rated, reviewed the podcast. I've told you guys a ton of times. I really believe that's a big reason why this is the best year ever for the Glory UGA podcast. Now, of course, when I say best year ever, that's by our very humble terms um, and, and, and by our very humble standards, but still it was the best year for our podcast, even though we had, were in the middle of a global pandemic and for half the year, we didn't know if we were going to have football. So I uh, appreciate all of you guys who have done that. And thank you also. I want to say this. I, I feel sometimes, sometimes I feel like I leave people out. 
I just want to thank all of you who support our podcast in other ways who might not listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Um, I know it's not really possible for you to do an Apple Podcast review if you don't have an iPhone, you don't listen to us on Apple Podcasts. So thank you for all of you, all of you who support us in any way. I mean, just listening to the show is an incredible way to support us. That's probably the best way to support us. So thank you for that. Thank you for everyone who interacts with us on social media, shares our thoughts, likes, retweets, all that kind of stuff. Thank you for everyone who shares uh, just the word of mouth about our show and encourage other people to, to check our show out. All of you guys, whatever you do for our show, we and, and however you support us, we really appreciate it. We, uh, I know I say that a lot. I know. I feel like I say that a lot. But I'm just, I, I can't get over it. I'm just, I'm appreciative of, of all that you guys do to support our show. I, so I just can't get over the fact that like anyone wants to listen to what we had to say. We work hard to produce a, a, a very quality podcast for you guys. I don't know if it's a very quality podcast, but we try to make it a very quality podcast, but uh, it's, it's still, it's just, it kind of blows my mind that people actually want to hear us talk about Georgia sports and, and hear all of our thoughts and ruminations and all of our tangents that we go on at times. So thank you guys. I'll, I'll stop now. I know sometimes I get carried away with that, but I really appreciate it. And uh, let's go ahead and and move on. We've got some news to talk about, guys. That's a couple of different big news items, pretty big news items dropped today. And that's why we're on here to do this emergency podcast. And we're going to start with the release of the 2021 schedule. I have, like I said, been very impatiently awaiting this because uh, I'm the kind of guy like I literally every single year, as soon as the next year's schedule drops, I go ahead and start booking all of the hotels for the road trips. Like immediately, I want to get I want to get on it before everyone else, before they get booked up, before the hotels that I want to stay in, before they're booked up, before the prices. I try to actually get on there before the prices start to um, jump and escalate dramatically. Uh, and usually, and sometimes I'm able to do that. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes the hotel is kind of already, it seems like they have like a, a head start and knowledge of what the schedule is before we do. So I, I'm always looking for this. And it's, it's annoyed me this year. Obviously, things have changed so much this year with, with COVID. But normally, we have the schedule in like mid to late September for the next year. But now here we are in late January and we're just now getting it. So I've actually, I actually tried to, on my own, predict what I thought the schedule would be. And I had some people ask me what I thought. And I put that out there on social media. And I got, I didn't get it all right. There were a couple of games where I, I knew that um, were kind of interchangeable because the teams we were playing, basically what I did is I just cross-referenced everyone else and like the game, all the other teams on our schedule and like, what non-cons games they had scheduled? Those are those already have dates, and then I kind of looked at like where we traditionally play teams and where the teams traditionally play other teams, and I came up with what I thought would probably be the schedule. Um, and uh, basically, what I missed is I had Auburn and Arkansas. They just they're flipped on the actual schedule, and then Kentucky and Missouri were flipped on the actual schedule. And those are the ones I thought like those were interchangeable and could move in any direction. There, I thought we, you could flip Missouri and Kentucky, and yeah, they flipped them. I thought you could flip Auburn and Arkansas, and yeah, they flipped them there. But I did. I got I got to pat myself on the back here real quick because I'm just I'm just, I'm just excited. I saved. My family a lot of money here. Um, really, the games I was I was concerned about predicting correctly were two row games in particular, Vanderbilt and Tennessee, because those are the two. Like, I knew we were playing Clemson week one. And I know we were going to play Florida October 30th, which is my birthday, by the way. It's always my birthday weekend. This year, it's actually all my birthday, so we better win. It's a child. I, it, it ruined my birthday every year because we used to always lose to Florida on my birthday weekend. That sucks. So it's nice to actually be able to hopefully get back in control. That We've been in control of that series until this year. Hopefully, we'll get that back this year. But I knew when we were playing those games, I got hotels booked for the for, for Clemson, uh, for uh, Charlotte and for Jacksonville, already taken care of. Auburn, I know we're playing at Auburn. That's a day trip. I don't stay in Auburn, Alabama, because Auburn, Alabama is a wasteland. There's nothing to do there. It's just, it's a garbage town. It's, it's, it's I might be, I think it's the worst in the SEC, in my opinion. Tech, also a day trip for me. We can just drive there and drive back. So I don't stay overnight when we make those trips. I do stay overnight in Nashville and Knoxville, and those hotels in both those towns can get pretty pricey. So I want to get in there as quickly as I could. So that's really that was the impetus for me trying to figure out like when the schedule was going to be or when we're going to be playing these teams on the schedule. And I actually nailed those games. I nailed when we're going to play Vandy, which is on September 25th, and then Tennessee. Uh, obviously, we moved, we basically trade them with Auburn. Um, so that's going to be October or November 13th. And I've saved myself, I think, like about $1,500 in hotels already. Uh, I got a hotel in, in Tennessee, uh, in Knoxville, for under $500 for two nights. A very nice hotel, under $500. And the hotel I want to get, I think it was like $471 for, two, for that two nights and that weekend. 
And uh, already I, I went and checked just to, just to see, and it's already up to like $1,200 for two nights for that weekend. So saved about 800 or so, you know, seven dollars $800 there. Same thing in Nashville for Vanderbilt Hotel right by the stadium. Saved a lot of money on that. Now, of course, they can always kind of just cancel my reservation and say, hey, you, we didn't know the game was going to be played on this day, so now we have new rates. They can always do that, and that happens sometimes to some people. It's never happened to me because I've, I've done this before. Like I try to get in early, like the early bird special before they know uh, what the schedule is going to be. And to this day, I'm knock on wood, no no hotel has canceled my reservation, maybe pay the, the, the new updated rate. So hopefully that doesn't happen this year because right now I'm like the man in my house. And I'm not the man very often in my house, but when my football obsession saves us like $1,500, well then... I get some serious brownie points. So I, I get to enjoy that at least for a couple of days until I do some of the screw things up. But anyway, I want to pat myself on the back there just a little bit. I didn't get it all right, but I got the ones that I want to get right. Got those right. But let's get to the, the actual schedule here. I'm going to give you guys my reaction to the schedule. Again, I don't have any notes here. It's just me talking about my thoughts today on the schedule. I haven't had too much time to process it, but here's where I am right now on the schedule. And like, I'm going to start here. I hesitate to say this because I, I've told myself like I'm not, I'm not allowing myself to do this anymore. I feel like every you're going into every season since 2017, since we go to the national title game or went to the national title game, I've gone every season saying like this is going to be the year, man. Like this is the year. Like we're right there on the precipice, and like we are. I think we are on the precipice, but we just haven't crossed the precipice yet. And I told myself going into this season, like after what happened this year with Alabama, Florida, I was like, no, you can't do it next year. We'll just you know let the, let the season play out. Don't get yourself too excited about it. But man, and then you see the schedule and you're like, oh, I, I think this might be a national championship schedule. And I, I know that some people see Clemson on there in week one. They say, oh, dude, Tyler, like, what are you talking about? That's that, How can you say it's a championship schedule when you got Clemson, who's a perennial playoff team in there week one? They're on the schedule. How can you say this is a cakewalk? And I'm not saying it's a cakewalk, uh, but I do think that this is a schedule that sets up for us to potentially make a run at least to the college football playoff. And that's what it's about, getting the college football playoff and then you see what happens there. But you need your schedule to set you up to get there. And I think this schedule does set us up to potentially make a run to the college football playoff considering who we have coming back on both sides of the ball. I know we're losing some guys in secondary. I am very concerned about that. I've made that clear. I'm concerned about some of the, the new faces that are going to have on the offensive line. I, I, right now, our two tackles, I'm not I'm not convinced we have the answers right now at least the guys who are playing that in the Peach Bowl. We'll see. I hope I'm wrong there. So there, there are some question marks, but I also think we have a lot of answers in some really important positions, namely quarterback. I think our, our offense in general is just, it, our skill players, our skill talent, it, it, we're going to be, we're, we're loaded. Okay, we're loaded. We know that. And defensively, yeah, we're losing some guys, but we have a lot of guys coming back as well. And, this, and it doesn't matter if you don't have a schedule. The schedule can completely derail you. Absolutely. Can. Like the fact that we played Alabama this year, that we drew Alabama, that, you don't think that hurt us? What if we only lose a game to Florida this year and we, we don't have Alabama? Let's say that we had, oh, I don't know. Let's say we had Ole Miss instead of Alabama and we beat Ole Miss. And we yeah, we lose to Florida and, uh, and that sucks, but that's the only game that we would have lost, right? And Florida would have lost two games. They lost to A&M. They would have lost, they lost to LSU. We would have gotten into the SEC championship game. And would we have beaten Alabama? I don't know, probably not. Probably not, but I don't know that, that almost, you know, well, pr probably not. We'll say probably not. I mean, they, Alabama, was, they, were, they were the best team in the country. You got to give them credit. We weren't, we weren't quite at their level this year. We're getting there, but we're, we weren't quite there. So you got to give them credit. But I mean, that makes an interesting conversation. Okay. Well, yeah, Georgia lost to Florida. Georgia lost to Alabama. But I mean, does that mean Notre Dame deserves to get in over Georgia? Uh, Ohio State? I mean, that, it creates an interesting conversation. We probably wouldn't have gotten in, but the schedule, well, my point is, it, it's a big deal, right? You can have all the talent. You can have a team and a roster that's good enough, but the schedule isn't set up like you want it to, then it can derail you. And that's just luck of the draw. And I think we're going to have a really talented team next year. I mean, I'm not saying there's not holes. So we've got some things that we've got to shore up for sure, like a lot of teams. But I think this is a schedule that can get us in the college playoff. I really do. And again, I go back to Clemson. I know a lot of people say, all right, man, Clemson's on the schedule. How can you say this is, a, this is an easy schedule? Again, I'm not saying it's an easy schedule, but I personally take an alternate view of having Clemson on the schedule. I see it more as an advantage than I do a disadvantage. Because if we win that game, guys, we are sitting 
extraordinarily pretty for a chance to make it to the Coswell playoff, right? I mean, we are in incredible position if we find a way to win that game. And I'm not going to sit here and say we're going to win that game. Um, I, there's, I have all offseason to break down. I'm go back and, and watch every single game Clemson played last year and break them down in detail. And I will do just that. Got a lot of time this offseason and I'm going to do that. So I'm still kind of building my, my ideas on whether or not we're going to win that game. It's still certainly under construction, my, my thoughts on that game. But just a quick on the surface, like, yeah, Clemson's really good. I know they're consistently in the college playoff. I don't think Clemson was as good as they have been this year. I don't think this was a vintage Clemson team. I know that next year they have a lot of guys come back. Scalsey decided he come, he's going to come back. Nolan Turner decided he's going to come back. Their defensive line is really, really good. And I do, and that matchup concerns me. Our offensive line can have some new faces there, um, shuffling some guys around. That defensive line is really good. Xavier Thomas, Tyler Davis, uh, Brissy, Miles Murphy, they're really, really, really good. They're as good as anyone up front next year, and I have some concerns with that matchup. But the thing is, we're also really good on the defensive line, guys. Like, their offensive line is not that great. I think it's just as much of an advantage for us, our defense line versus our offense line, as it is vice versa for them. I mean, think about the guys that we've got coming out. Let's talk about, like, we have, we're going to have four guys up front, guys. I know you say outside linebackers aren't on the defensive line, but sometimes they'll play down there with their hands on the, in the, in the dirt. I mean, think about our defensive line. Yeah, Clemson's really, really good, but think about these guys. Think about Jalen Carter, five star. Trayvon Walker at the five tech, five star. Adam Anderson, outside linebacker, five star. Nolan Smith, outside linebacker, five star. Jordan Davis, not a five star coming out of high school. He's only three star. But that dude, I mean, if you could re rank guys, that's a five star player, right? That was just a miss by the recruiting service, which is apt to happen from time to time. But I mean, he's played at a five star level since he's been here in Athens. And let's not forget about Devontae Why He's played at a high level for us. I mean, our defensive line, I know Clemson's really good. But man, like ours is really that far behind and Clemson's offensive line is really no better than ours. So uh, anyway, getting off track here a little bit, back to the schedule. I think that's a game that we can absolutely win. I'm not going to definitively say we're going to win it. I'm going to reserve judgment until I go back and watch the, the tape in more detail. I watched a lot of Clemson this year. I didn't watch every single game and every single snap. I'm going to do that. I'm going to watch and I'm going to go through with a fine tooth comb. And then we'll talk more about that throughout the offseason. But I think we can certainly win that game. We're certainly capable of it. I'm not going to chalk that up to a loss right now. And if we win, like, man, that is a major advantage for us. And even if we lose, let's just say, like, if we lose and, and still kind of represent ourselves well in that game, even if we lose and it's, like, not necessarily a close game, as long as to say it's like, a, you know, we lose by two touchdowns, even if that happens, like, you still get credit for a pretty good loss. It's not going to kill us because even if we lose, if we run the table in the SEC, we are still easily in. Now, we still have, we probably have to win the SEC championship in that equation, right? So that's the thing. If you lose to Clemson, here's where it can hurt you. If you lose to Clemson and then if you run the table the rest of the regular season, you lose the SEC championship game, you're probably not going to get into the college playoff. No, still, I mean, I think that's ridiculous. We get punished for playing the SEC, but it is what it is. Um, no, still to this point, I believe when I see it, when a two-loss team gets into the four-team college playoff, it hasn't happened. We've gotten left out twice. Like we've been the poster boy of being a two-loss team that with the second loss coming in the SEC championship game and to a team that makes it to the college football playoff and, and getting left out to a team that plays an inferior conference and just happened to luck up and, and got to win their their conference title game because they played an inferior opponent. That's that's we're the poster boy for that. So that that can hurt. But look guys, if we if we win this game and we run the table in the regular season, we still have room for like a margin for error. Like we could, I think we could lose the SEC championship game and still find a way to get it. Now that you, it's hard to predict that because you have to, nothing happens in a vacuum. You have to see what happens with other teams around the country and what the situations are, what the, what the circumstances are. But if we win this game, we can have a situation where we lose the SEC championship game and still find our way in because Clemson's, I mean, guys, they're going to win the ACC again next year. Who's going to challenge them in the ACC next year? Who's ready to challenge them? Nobody. They're going to be in the playoff just like they are every single year. And if we beat them, think about how much credit we're going to get for that. I think we can lose to Alabama in the SEC championship game or whoever might be there next year and still find a way to sneak in the back door of the college football playoff. So I don't necessarily see it as a disadvantage. I like guess it's a matter of how you look at it, cup half full, cup half empty, whatever. I'm choosing to look at it with a positive eye there. And, and here's the thing. Like, I know I said, well, you, if we lose, we can still run the table in the SEC and we're still in the playoffs. And look, I know that's easier said than done. I know it's the SEC and there's no easy schedule in the SEC. It's all relative. But in, by, by the standards of SEC schedules, I mean, look at this schedule, guys. I mean, read it. For those of you who haven't seen it yet, let me read this off. So if we start week one, Clemson, then UAB, South Carolina at home, at Vandy. Um, we've got then um, Arkansas, at home, at Auburn, Kentucky at home, bye week, Florida, at, uh, Missouri at home, at Tennessee, Charleston Southern, 
at Georgia Tech. That's about as favorable of an SEC schedule as you're going to get. All right, and if in the in the big tough game against Florida, that's a neutral side game. It's not on the road. I, I think. I mean, really, if, if, listen to that schedule. Is running the table after week one, even if we lose to Clemson, is running the rest of the table all that unrealistic? I, I know people want to call me a homer, and I'm, I'm really I'm trying to be objective here, guys. I mean, tell me where this is not objective. I think it's very realistic to say that we have a great shot at running the table next year after the Clemson game. I know Florida's going to be good again, but are they going to be as good as they were this year? They're losing so much offensively. I, I think Emory Jones is going to be a good player for them. I think he is a, a really good fit for Dan Mullen's traditional scheme. I, I do believe he'll be a good player. But where what, what skill talent do they have around him? All those guys are gone, man. And defensively, they've been a train wreck. I mean, they'll probably be a little bit better next year, but I mean, like, I, I just, I'm not scared of Florida. I'm not scared of Florida next year. When, now that we've got JT, if everyone stays healthy, I, I'm not. I, I think we have a great shot to run the table. I mean, look at this. There's no back-to-back road games, all right? And I know the SEC tries to do that for every team, if at all possible. We've had plenty of, of instances where we've played back-to-back road games in the SEC. For years, we would play um, at Tennessee, at Vanderbilt, back-to-back. We would do that. I think it was back in 2016. Yeah, it was. In 2016, we played at Missouri in at Ole Miss in back-to-back weeks. No bye week, back-to-back weeks, all the way to Columbia, Missouri, back to Athens, and all the way to Oxford, Mississippi. And I remember that because I made both those trips in back-to-back weeks. My wife almost killed me. She loves traveling with me, but two long road trips back-to-back like that, that's tough. I, I remember that. So like, it, it's happened before, and we don't have a situation like that this year. There are no back-to-back road games on our schedule this year. But on top of that, there's also no gauntlet of consecutive games. Like even if it's like, you know, not necessarily back-to-back road games, but we don't have a gauntlet where we have like three or four teams that are really, really tough, like in a, in a, in a four or five week span. Like we don't have that guys. The schedule is really spread out. Well, I mean, you've got Clemson week one, then you have a couple weeks and get your feet under your UAB. I know they won the conference USA championship last year, but I mean, come on, UAB home, like that should not be a problem. South Carolina. I mean, they're guys, come on. All right. That's, that's not going to be a good football team next year at Vandy on the road. Come on. Clark Lee year one. That's it's Vandy, right? I got to respect every opponent, but it's Vandy. So you get a chance to kind of get your feet under you there after that Clemson game for a couple weeks. Then you go to Auburn. I mean, you know, going to Jordan Hare is never easy, but I don't think Auburn's going to be great next year. I mean, if you got, you got Bo Nix in a totally new system, year one of being in a new system that I don't really think, I mean, Brian Harsh traditionally is one like a pro style spread-ish attack, kind of a combination there. Not really a fit. I mean, Bo Nix was a fit for Gus Malzahn's system and he still wasn't any good. He's not a fit for Brian Harsh's system and we think he's going to all of a sudden, take a huge step and be great next year. I I think we should win that football game. We actually have we have Arkansas there between Vandy and Auburn at home. Um, look, I know they had a bounce back year this year by their standards, but it, I don't think they're ready to come into Athens and win next year. You got to respect every opponent, and they're going to be well coached. But that's a game that we should win. Um, then we've got Kentucky leading into the bye week again. Kentucky at home. It's a game that we should win. Jay, Joey Gatewood's going to be their guy quarterback more than likely, but. Uh, I think that we should win that football game. You get the bye week. You got Florida, the Missouri after that. Um, at Tennessee, normally you say, oh, a trip to Knoxville, but uh, we'll get to that later. I'm not all that concerned about that trip to Knoxville. The Charleston Southern at Georgia Tech. I I, I I just I truly don't believe there's any gauntlet here of games where you're like, oh man, that's that's a stretch of games where like, I don't know how we're going to come out of that. We, we'll be lucky to get out of that with one or two losses. We don't have a game like that. And we also don't have like a true trap game. We've had trap games almost every year. We have what I think is a trap game. I don't think we have a true trap game where it's like a letdown scenario against a team that's capable of beating you after a huge game, a huge emotional game. I think maybe, maybe you can make the argument of Missouri coming right after we play Florida. I do think Missouri is a good football team. Um, I think they're in year two of, I think they, had a, they had a much better year than I expected them to have this year. Year two of Eli Drinkwitz there at, in Columbia. And you've got Basilic coming back at quarterback. I think Hunter Basilic is going to be a, a good quarterback in the SEC for a couple years in, in, into the future here. Tyler Beatty coming back at running back is going to be their future guy this year. Now they need to put some pieces around him. But I think that's a that's a good up and coming program in the SEC East. I just like I'm, I like the fact that it's at home. I just don't think that qualifies as like a true trap game. I, I think it's the closest on the schedule. I just but still like I don't think that's a true trap game. So I, I mean I love this schedule. I, I think it's about as good as we can expect. Obviously Clemson Week One. We're all, you know what we know you know we're always gonna play Florida and Jacksonville. But outside that man, I think this is a schedule that absolutely sets us up to run the table potentially. Now look, we we are prone to stub our toes somewhere like. 
South Carolina at home in 2019, that happened. I would never be able to unsee that. I will never be able to unlive that experience. That was, whew, man, I can't even, I don't even want to go there. That happened. So we were capable of losing games like that. But the fact is, if you look at the schedule, all these games, the way they set up, we shouldn't be losing them. Now, shouldn't losing them and actually winning them are different things, but we should not lose them. And when you're talking about predictions in the preseason, looking at the schedule, that's, that's, what you do. You look at it and say, we should not lose that football game. And I just, I don't see the, the, the landmines on this schedule that, you know, when you open the schedule for 2020, you're like, oh, at Alabama. Okay. That's going to be fun. Like I knew we, we knew we were going to play them uh, on the road, but still it's like, mm, just to see that. And we don't have a game like that. So I think it really sets up. And, I, and look, I've also had people tell me today, and I, and I totally respect everyone's opinion. Um, but I just, I kind of, I kind of disagree a little bit here. And I'm going to tell you why. I had people tell me today that, man, okay, you look at the schedule, it all hinges on one game. It hinges on one game. And to them, they're talking about the Clemson game. So that Clemson game, man, if we win that game, then we can make the college football playoff. If we lose it, probably not. And I, and maybe on some level that's true. You know, if we, if we lose that game and we lose somewhere else, we're not making the college football playoff. But if we win that game and win out, or if we lose that game and win out, I think we can still go to the college football playoff. Now, you got win the SEC championship, probably, because again, no two lost team has ever made the college football playoff. And maybe, but I will say, if we beat Clemson and then lose to maybe Bama, whoever in the SEC championship game, if there's ever going to be a two lost team that makes it the SEC or makes it to the college football playoff, I think it would be us, right? Because, I mean, that win over Clemson would be massive. And if you lose to a really, really good Alabama team or LSU or Texas AM or whoever it is that's coming from the West, I mean, again, it depends on what's happening around the country with other conferences and other teams, but I think we'd have the best argument of any other two-loss team in history to this point, at least in the history of the college football playoff. But to me, here's why I disagree. I mean, and this is a this is a mild disagreement. I think the game, the schedule still hinges on the Florida game. And the reason I say that is because, again, we can lose to Clemson. If we beat Florida, we're winning the SEC East, we're going to the SEC Championship game. That's what the schedule hinges on. Can we get the SEC Championship game and find a way to win that game again? We won in 2017. We need to find a way to get over the hump and win again. We lost in 18, 19. We know that. We got to win it. So uh, you can you can argue the Clemson game is the hinge game, but I would still argue that it's that it's Florida because that is the conference game. That's the divisional game. We still like this year. We saw like we lost that game and our season was over. We didn't get to go to the SEC Championship game and no chance to cost a playoff. You win that game. It's a different story, right? With the way we were playing, by the end of the season with JT Daniels, you know, who knows what could happen. Um, but to me, that's that's the game that still hinges on. So I just throw a slight disagreement out there, just push back a little bit on some of uh, the people that I, that have thrown some thoughts at me. But I, I totally respect where you're coming from. I get it. Um, so yeah, that's those are my just initial thoughts on the schedule. I'm sure we'll talk more about it um, in the coming weeks. I'm sure there's some things I left out and then some questions you guys have. So feel free to keep the questions coming. Um, send those to us on social media at glory underscore UGA. Hit us up on uh, email if that's easier for you, gloryugapodcast at gmail.com. If I miss something, I'll be glad to talk about it later on um, in the off season. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, moving on to the next bit of news that dropped. Actually, this was the first thing that dropped today. We knew the schedule was coming out. We saw that on Tuesday. But uh, the first thing that dropped today, actually, I take that back. Was this the second thing that dropped? I think the Tennessee news was first. Yeah, I think the Tennessee news was first. Uh, so the second thing that dropped is we have a new defensive back coach. The search is over. We now know who's going to fill Charlton Warren's position. He went and took the D.C. job at Indiana. We now have our guy, after a lot of guys showed some interest in this job. Actually, I mean, of course, you'd want to show some interest in this job. Why wouldn't you? And our new defensive back coach, we are hiring him away from his alma mater, from West Virginia. And in the interest of full disclosure, I try to be real with you guys. I have to laugh at myself here. 
Uh, I did have to go to Google and type in, literally, that's what I typed in, how to pronounce, and I typed in A-D-D-A-E. There were two ways I thought you could pronounce it, either a day or a die, and I didn't know which one it was. I didn't want to come in here and say it wrong and make a fool of myself because I um, I tend to do that sometimes. I didn't want to mess it up, so I went and looked it up, and I found out it is a die, Jamil Adai coming over from West Virginia, and I like I like I tweeted out when I saw the when the uh, the official news came out. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I am an expert on Jamil Adai. I, I'm not. I honestly never heard his name until maybe late last week when I heard that he was uh, going to get an interview more than likely for this job. And I was like, okay, who's this guy? I looked in, looked into him a little bit, asked around about him a little bit, and. Based off what I found out in the past, you know, a couple of days, especially in the past 24 hours, more than anything, I think I really like this hire. And again, I'm not going to act like I'm an expert on him. I don't want to say that declaratively, but on the surface, I think I really like that hire. And let me explain why. He's a young guy. He's a former team back at West Virginia, so he's played. I think he played that position. I do like that's not a necessity necessarily. It's not a requirement, but I do think it helps. Right? You can tell the guys, "Hey, I understand. I played that position. I get it. You know the intricacies in a way that maybe someone who hasn't played the position doesn't quite get. Like you can you can talk to, up to your players and teach them from a different perspective. I like that. Um, he, he's also uh, at West Virginia last year. He coached DBs and he wasn't the coordinator, but he called the coverages apparently, which is really impressive. And he, so he coached the DBs, called the coverages for a defense that ended up number one nationally in pass defense and number 10 in yards per attempt allowed. Guys, that's doing work with West Virginia players in the pass happy Big 12. And here's another thing I really like. He did that uh, going back and looking at West Virginia's secondary last year, he did that with a secondary that was very, very inexperienced, very, very little experience coming into last year in their defensive secondary at West Virginia. He coached those guys up, called the coverages, and put them in position to finish number one nationally in pass defense and number 10 in yards per attempt. To me, that's very impressive, and here's why it relates to us. You got, you, I mentioned it earlier, we have a lot of experience gone from our secondary. We don't have a lot of experience returning. We have some guys that have played. You've got Lewis Seen, you've got Chris Smith back there. Latavius Green played a little bit, but at cornerback, I mean, who we got, man? Like we, who's, who's coming back at cornerback that's played? Amir Speed hasn't really hardly played at all. Keely Ringo's obviously got a factor in there, but the dude has literally played nothing. He's not played at all at the college level. Jalen Kimber got in a little bit, uh, and you're going to have some true freshmen, Island Green, Kamari Lasher, Buller, guys like that you're relying to come in and, and try to compete right away. A lot of youth, a lot of experience, and he has he, he actually has a track record from as recently as last year of taking an experienced group and not only making them competent, but turning them into an elite pass defense unit. So that is really encouraging for me. And like, look guys, pass defense, like we know that's been our Achilles heel on defense the past two seasons. We've been great against the run, especially this year. We ended up 88th nationally against the pass, giving up almost 250 yards game, 248 a game, 6.9 yards per attempt. That's not going to get the job done. Now, yes, those other numbers skewed because we played Florida and Alabama when they were both fully healthy. Yeah, a little bit. But still, the fact is, we got torched again in those games against the best opponents, and that can happen. If we're going to get over the hump and win those games and beat the best opponents on our schedule, these teams that have high-powered offenses, we got to find a way to stop them. And maybe maybe you'll never stop them, but do a better job of slowing them down than what we've done. And it's not just a secondary coach. I'm not going to put it all on Charlton Warren. But we've had a lot of guys in secondary, other than maybe Eric Stokes, that some, just seem lost back there sometimes and just can't put it all together. And I'm hopeful, based on what we've seen, what his track record has been to this point, that Coach Adai can be a guy that can do that, can really get us to take that next step as a secondary unit. And I will say recruiting, that's another big part of being an assistant coach, especially in the SEC, especially for Kirby Smart. And that does remain to be seen. It's always a question when the guy hasn't really done it at, at this level for a long time, especially on the SEC. But I will say there's a couple things I think he has going for him that, that I do like, that I do think can be indicative of the idea that he could be a good recruiter, especially when you have the Georgia brand to sell. Number one, he's young. He's in his late 30s. I don't know exactly how old he is. I know he graduated from, from West Virginia in 2005. So he looks like he's probably in his late 30s. Um, he's African-American. And that, look, I'm, that's certainly not a requirement at all. But when you're recruiting largely African-American players to play that position, like we just know like the guys in secondary and, and most of the guys on the team are African-American, all right? And look, white coaches can recruit African-Americans too. Kirby Smart proves that. All of our guys prove that, right? You, you don't have to be black to be able to recruit black players. I'm not saying that at all. But I don't think it hurts if you're a young African-American who can, who can maybe relate to the lives of some of these African-American uh, high school players that we are recruiting. I don't think that hurts. I think that's a good thing, okay? 
and also he's a former player. So add all together, young, African-American, former player, played that position. I think he has the makings of becoming a very good recruiter. Remains to be seen. I can't promise you he's going to be, but I think it's reasonable to think that this guy could grow into a good recruiter, recruiter. kind of like Trey Scott, right? Remember Trey Scott? Early in his career here at Georgia, in his tenure, took a little while to get going, but now the guy is recruiting at an extraordinarily high level. So maybe we can see something like that with Coach Adai as well. And I'm just checking in with a few people around town today after the news was officially announced. And what I was told is that, yeah, he interviewed over the weekend. And what I was told is that he just nailed the interview. That seems to be the consensus from what I was that what I heard today. Because when I heard his name first mentioned, I was like, ah, oh, this guy's probably going to get the job. But he apparently just really impressed the interview, nailed it. Um, I was actually sent a clip of an interview with him. So I got to give a shout out to our man Axe on social media who sent this to me. I, I'm going to play it. It's a quick one minute clip. I'm going to play this clip for you guys because I think it gives you a good idea of why he might have nailed the interview. I think this guy just gets it. And it's kind of just a little clip just briefly describing his philosophy. So hopefully this audio works. Uh, the first thing is eyes. Um, it's all eye control because there's a lot of misdirection. There's guys going everywhere. I call it football in the phone booth, and that's basically what it is. Where it's tight spacing and a lot of bodies in there, and, and there's there's a rhyme or reason to why they're doing things. It's not just a, a scrum, so to speak. And so for us, there's a progression in which your eyes go through, so you can make sure you fit it correctly, and that your gap sound. And uh, that's going to be the key um, in terms of their eyes. And then once they've key and diagnosed exactly what's happening to them, it's like anything else. It's see ball, get ball. So then comes the effort piece. And in that, it's all about making sure we get all 11 hats to the ball, um, being that that can alleviate any issues that you have in terms of guys not, not necessarily being gap sound or, or responsibility sound. And then when you get there, finish with bad intentions. We, we need turnovers. You know, when you got a team that has clock control the way they do, and, and, and hold on to the ball and really control the game in that way, um, it's on us to get the ball back to the offense. And, and you do that in two ways. One is you stop them on downs. Two, you turn it over on downs. So either way, um, we're, we're looking to make that happen. Obviously getting it back to our guys. That guy gets it. You kind of get, just get a glimpse there of maybe why he was so impressive in his interview. And that's just that's just a, a press conference kind of setting there. That's not an actual formal interview setting. So uh, I'm excited about this guy. I think he can be really good for us. I think it was a great hire. I trust Kirby Smart really I, almost implicitly when it comes to these kind of things. He hasn't really made a bad coaching hire yet since he's kind of got his his guys in here. So I'm really excited about it. Uh, just hearing what he had to say there about eye discipline. I, I mean, you guys heard me all all season long talk about how eye discipline was a major problem for our defense, especially in that Florida game. Just killed us. So we had, we had issues with it. Going back to the first game against Arkansas, that big touchdown we gave up in the first half, where Richard LeCount got his eyes in the backfield. There's a problem for us. We've got to address that. So just I know it's a one minor thing, and he should be hired just based off that. But to hear him say that, and just the way he talked, and how in command he was of, of defensive philosophy and and his beliefs on how you play defense. It was just really, really impressive to hear. So I, I'm really excited about the hire. Well, obviously, we'll see how it plays out. Again, I'm not a, an expert on Jamila Dye. I just have uh, been impressed in what I found out about him in the past couple of days, and I, I, I trust Kirby. So yeah, I like the hire. All right, and that brings us to the last bit of news that dropped. I think this actually dropped early this morning. There have been some rumors about it going back to yesterday, maybe even a couple days before that, that the Tennessee Volunteers were looking at hiring UCF head football coach Josh Heupel to their vacant head coaching position. And lo and behold, what do we find out early this morning? That is indeed the case. The Tennessee Volunteers have hired Josh Heupel away from UCF to take over their head coaching job. And my thoughts on the hire, really, like, I'm not going to say it cannot work. I've said this many times, those of you who have listened to us for a couple years now, you know that I don't like to speak in absolutes. I say that a lot because nothing is impossible. Like things happen, right? Things that you think there's no way could possibly happen. Sometimes it happens. So I don't like to say never or ever, or it's impossible. So I'm not saying this hire can't work. I'm not saying he can't end up being a good hire and, and win at a high level there. I'm just saying, I don't think that's the most likely outcome. I think this hire is at the very least underwhelming. I'm not going to call it a bad hire. I'm going to call it an underwhelming hire. I don't think he's a bad coach. He's done a good job wherever he's been. He just hasn't really been elite necessarily during his time as a head coach at UCF. Had one good year and basically they've declined since that point. And to me, here's why I think it's an underwhelming hire. And this is kind of my perspective on it. So I know people might look at it differently. You might disagree, which is totally cool. I, I don't always have it right. 
But the way I'm looking at this is I think to consistently win at the highest level, you have to have one of the most talented rosters in the country. It doesn't have to be the most talented roster, but you have to be like in the ballpark, right? Like you don't see in Iowa State, as they've been good lately, but when they play better, the more talented teams, typically they're going to lose. They might be able to compete. They might be able to beat one of those teams here and there. They might be able to beat Oklahoma occasionally, but they're not going to consistently be at that top level and be in the top teams because they don't have one of the most talented rosters. They can they can win a lot of games, but they're not going to be consistently competing for national championships. The teams that are winning them year in, year out, whether it's Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, huh, just so happens to be those are the teams with the most talented rosters. And I think you've got to be there if you want to consistently win at the highest level. I'm not saying you can't rise up from one year here and there, but to consistently be among the top programs in the country and winning titles and, and being in that conversation, you've got to have one of the most talented rosters. You have to be in that pool of talent of most talented rosters. And Tennessee hasn't had that in a while. And I think that's been their biggest problem. They haven't been able to recruit the way that they used to in the 90s because the teams that were asleep at the wheel around them for a while, those programs, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, whatever, LSU, those programs decided they wanted to wake up and they actually wanted to leverage their capabilities and maximize their potential. And what's happened? Those programs have become the powerhouses. And those programs are in much more fertile recruiting grounds than Tennessee is. Tennessee forever in the 90s, when they were good, they had to rely on being able to cherry pick the best players from outside the borders of the state of Tennessee. They cannot do that anymore. They don't come to Georgia. When's the last time Tennessee beat us for a guy that really beat us for a guy that we really, really, really wanted? Those names are few and far between, guys. They really are. When's the last time they went head-to-head with Alabama and beat a guy, uh, beat Alabama for a guy out of the state of Alabama they, that they wanted, that Cherry picked them. We've done that a couple times. Clemson done it a couple times. Tennessee ain't been doing that. When's the last time they did that in Louisiana? That hadn't happened in a long time, since the 90s. So their rosters isn't as talented. Tennessee doesn't have enough players, enough high-level players, for them to have one of the most talented rosters. And I think that's been the biggest issue for them year in, year out. I think Pruitt was trying to solve that, but Pruitt just had other issues outside of that. He was the closest they had to be able to recruit those kind of guys. But he just had his other issues that we told you guys was going to be the case as soon as they hired him. And this guy, Josh Heupel, good coach, but he is not going to be out recruiting Kirby Smart and Nick Saban and Dabo Swinney and even Coach O and Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. He's not out recruiting those guys. That's not what this guy does, okay? He has no track record of that. Tennessee is not a brand anymore like Georgia or Alabama or, or Clemson is right now. It's not a brand like that, okay? I'm not saying they can't be good. I'm not, I'm not saying they can't get good players, but they're not going to consistently have the best players. And if he can't change that, how in the world is he going to consistently beat the best teams, the Georgias, the Alabamas, the Floridas, all right? Because he has shown no, no ability in his career as a coach, whether it's an offense coordinator or a head coach, to beat teams consistently that are more talented than his team. He has not shown that ability to have success against those kind of teams. So I think with Heupel, they can have success beating the teams that they should beat, the Kentuckys, the Vanderbilts, the Missouris, more often than not. They're going to beat those teams more often than not. But I don't see him being the guy that's going to be able to get the kind of players in there. And if you're not going to, be able to get the kind of players in there, then you just have to be like an incredible X's and O's coach. And he's a good X's and O's coach offensively. Put together some good offenses. I just don't know if he's that good. I mean, that good. He's good. Is he that good to compensate for the, the talent differential, the talent gap between the best programs? I don't think he is. Yeah, so he'll beat Kentucky, beat Vanderbilt, beat Missouri more often than not. But he's not beating us, not beating Florida, not beating Bama consistently. That he's not that kind of guy. And they already have, like we just talked about, they already have those built-in advantages, disadvantages in recruiting. The lack of talent in the in the state of Tennessee, lack of elite talent in the state of Tennessee, the big time recruiting powers around them, they have those disadvantages. And I think I've said for a while it would take a dynamic coach with a dynamic personality to overcome that deficit, to overcome those disadvantages. And I have seen nothing from Josh Heupel to suggest that he is that kind of dynamic coach and that kind of dynamic personality. Now, some people will say, well, hey, man, he, you know, he, he did a good job with his offenses at, at Missouri and Central Florida, and he's going to have more talent at Tennessee than he had at those places. And I would I would probably agree, yeah, he'll have probably more talent at Tennessee than he did at Central Florida and they did at Missouri. But it's all relative. At Central Florida, I, they actually, I would say, in their conference, were the more talented team almost every game with few exceptions. I mean, they were basically the more talented team every time they took the field, except, you know, maybe Cincinnati this year, uh, maybe a couple other times here and there, maybe Houston, occasionally SMU, but they are usually the more talented team than the team they're playing when they line up against their American Conference opponents. 
And he still wasn't winning at a big level consistently with that talent advantage in the group of five. And he's not going to be more talented at Tennessee. He might have more talent at Tennessee than he had at UCF, but he's not going to be more talented relative to the competition because he's not going to be playing Tulane and he's not going to be playing Tulsa. He's not going to be playing those kind of teams. He's going to be playing Georgia and Florida and Alabama. And he's never going to have a more talented roster. In my opinion, I don't think he'll ever have a more talented roster than those, at least not Georgia and Bama while Kirby Smart and Saban around. So it's relative to the competition there. And so if he's not going to out-talent people, I don't think he's going to win big. He has, again, he has no history of doing it. Yes, he put up good offensive numbers at Missouri and at Central Florida, but his numbers, their numbers offensively drop big time against the best teams they faced when they were out-talented. Really, both places he's been, whether it's Missouri or whether it was uh, at UCF. And so he was offensive coordinator at Missouri in 2016, 2017. And yeah, they led the SEC with like almost exactly 500 yards uh, a game both of those years. They led the SEC in offense. That's when the early years of Drew Locke. But when he faced teams that had more talent than them, that were better defensively, Oh, all of a sudden, his offenses didn't perform at that high level, put up 500, 600 yards a game. Purdue in 2017 held him to 203 yards. We held him in 2017 to 312 yards. Auburn held him that same year to 340. Texas in the bowl game held him to 403. That's when Tom Herman was like really trolling Drew Locke in that game. If you remember, that was a lot of fun. I think that was the the Texas Bowl, I want to say, in that game. Um, in 2019, as, as, as the head coach at UCF, offense against Pitt, 423 yards. Not bad, but they were averaging like over 500 yards a game. Cincinnati, 423 yards. This year, they averaged like 570 yards a game overall. But they do, they rack up those stats against the, the little sisters of the poor over there. Cincinnati this year held them to 359 total yards. BYU held them to 411 yards. A far cry from the 570 they're averaging against everyone else pretty much. So when he's been out-talented, his offenses haven't performed at that high of a level. And guess what, guys? He's going to be out-talented pretty consistently against the best teams in the SEC. His offenses might perform really well against Vanderbilt, against Kentucky. I don't know if they're going to perform that well against Georgia and Alabama and Florida. I just don't see it. And here's another thing about Josh Heupel, too, that I haven't seen too many people really talking about. So I want to point this out. Uh, I've seen a lot of, like, I think it was on ESPN. I saw, there was a headline. I think it was on ESPN. I saw a headline. No, it's the bottom line. It's the bottom line yeah, at the bottom of the screen of the run. And they announced the Josh Heupel hire. And what did they put there? It put 12 and 1 in 2018. So his first year as head coach. Yeah, his first year, he had a great year. 12 and 1, went to a, went to the Peach Bowl, or I'm sorry, the Fiesta Bowl to play LSU. And oh, by the way, I think they got held under 300 yards against LSU in the game. They got, they got beat by LSU. And, and, but they, they didn't put any context of what happened the years after. So obviously, Scott Frost, they won their, um, they claim that they have won the national championship back in 2017. Uh, but then in 2018, yeah, he has he has the same players that Scott Frost had, a lot of those same guys. Goes 12-1, and one, goes to the Fiesta Bowl. Good for him. Good year. Good coach. Then in 2019, down to 10-3. Still a pretty good year, but I mean, when you're UCF in, in the American Conference, you should probably be better than that. And then this year, really kind of fell off the face of the year. Six and four, lost the, in the Boca Raton Bowl. Uh, got blown out by BYU in that game. So this is a coach who, I mean, UCF was rolling, right? Like they were the team saying, hey, we should be in the Power Five. We're as good as any Power Five team. We won national championships, which they really didn't win. They were claiming those things. But that hasn't been the, pay, the case the past couple of years because that program has seen a decline under Josh Heupel's leadership. And ESPN, that's not how they're framing it, but that's reality. 12-1, 10-3, 6-4. I'm not good at math. You guys know I, I'm not, but even I can do that. That's a decline. 10 wins is not as many as 12 wins. Six wins is not as many as 10 wins. Three losses is more than one loss. Four losses is more than three losses. I can do that math. So... Tennessee, like, what are we doing here? Like, doesn't Tennessee want a coach that they, their program needs to be built? Don't they want a coach that can actually build a program? Not one whose only head coaching job, he's led his previous program into a decline? Like, right? You would think so. But this is who Tennessee is. I, I, I'm, I've been telling you guys this. Like, Tennessee needs to just, like, accept who they are. This is the kind of coach that they are in line for these days. They're not going to be getting to James Franklin. They're not going to be getting to John Gruden. I saw there was a rumor somewhere on one of these Tennessee message boards that they had offered Steve Spurrier the job and Spurrier was mulling it. Oh my God. Steve Spurrier's not coming out of retirement to go to Tennessee with what all, the, all the sanctions they're facing. No, that's not going to happen. They're not going to get those kind of guys, the guys that they want. Um, and I, I think the people making the decisions, they seem to have finally gotten it. Like they seem to understand that now, okay, this is who we are. They seem to be kind of humbled. All right, we're gonna go with the Josh Hype. We're gonna hire the, the UCF AD. We're gonna hire the UCF head coach. He's gonna bring him with him. And it's a whole package deal. 
I think they've kind of figured out this is who they are. This is, this is the kind of coach they can get right now. And maybe one day the Tennessee fan base will understand who they are. Uh, I don't think that's happened yet. They are still largely, you can't say everyone, but still largely in denial there. It was, I gotta, I gotta admit, it was kind of funny. It was actually more than kind of funny. It was hilarious to see some of the reactions of the Tennessee fan base today with the announcement of the Josh Heupel hire. Usually you see fan bases kind of like talk themselves into it, like, like Auburn did, right? When they hired Brian Harris, and they're like, oh yeah, well, let's rationalize this. Let's just try to explain why, why this is a really good hire and why this is going to work and why this is not a disaster. A lot of times you see that, but Tennessee fans, like they've been through this so many times. Like they did, they did it with Jeremy Pruitt. They tried to rationalize that. They rationalized, oh, it wasn't really that bad of a surgery. We, we got the guy we really wanted. We got Jeremy Pruitt. And it's like, no, you didn't. I'm like, yeah, we did. It's like, no, you didn't. Like, yeah, we did. And then a couple years later, like, oh, yeah, no, we didn't. We didn't get that guy that we really wanted. And now here they are with Josh Heupel. Then they've learned their lesson on that on that front now. They're not even trying to rationalize. They're just saying like, oh, my God, this is a terrible hire. We can do better than that. And so I'm talking about, no, you can't. You cannot do better than that right now. Maybe, maybe... 10, 20 years down the road when like the universe changes, maybe, but th- you cannot do better than that right now. This is who you are. And it's kind of that delusion of like, we should have a, high, a better coach. Like, um, like Clay Travis, some of you guys follow him on social media. It's funny to follow him sometimes. And he, like, he's a, such a, he's a big Tennessee homer. I guess you can call me a Georgia homer. That's fine. Um, but like, he was just like apoplectic about this hire. And it's like, dude, like who, who, who did you think that they were going to get? Like, really? Did you really have high expectations that they were going to go get a big established name? Like, that wasn't going to happen. In like, what fantasy land are you living in? And I, I think the Tennessee fan base at large is, is kind of of like that. So I don't know. Maybe one day, eventually, like I think they're coming down to earth more and more with each bad hire and with each disastrous tenure. But I don't know how long it's going to take. How many disastrous tenures of bad hires is going to take for them to really finally realize who they are? And that uh, the glory years, of the '90s, they are long, long, long ago in the past, and uh, they ain't coming back. The 90s are dead, and so is the Tennessee football program. So that's kind of my take on Tennessee. So that's my take on all the big news that dropped today, all the stuff that came out today with this emergency pod. Um, sorry if it was kind of all over the place. Again, had no notes. Normally I do, kind of flying blind here. Had no co-host kind of keep me on the rails. So just kind of like a stream of consciousness here with some of these things that came out. I wanted to make sure we covered it for you guys as quickly as we could. I was getting a lot of uh, questions and inquiries about them. Uh, on social media. So I just wanted to make sure we uh, cover that in a timely way and not wait a week or so. So um, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Appreciate you guys checking us out here today. We'll definitely be back with the long-awaited award show. We'll see how that goes down. Again, it's going to be very different. I'm I'm excited about it because it's a I had fun doing it, but I'm also kind of nervous that it's different than what we normally do on the podcast. So I'm curious how you guys like it. Hopefully you'll like it. But we'll get that next week. So I'll have Curtis back on for that. It'll be a lot of fun. And I have a lot of good stuff for you guys the rest of the offseason. So have a great weekend, guys. Hope you guys enjoy it. Stay safe out there. But that's all I got for you guys. I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>